We are in part three of this series, and uh, quite frankly, this message series was not in our plans at the beginning of the year. But then something happened. The year 2020 happened. COVID happened. Racial tensions happened. We, we knew there was a presidential election coming up, but that's happened as well. And as I began to look around and observe people and even observe my own life, in big ways and in small ways, I noticed that almost every single person I knew seemed to be feeling as if they were, their thoughts were being under attack. And as I listened to people's stories and as I watched the statistics of negative mental health continue to grow and to grow during this year, I knew that it was something that we needed to talk about as a church. It was something that we needed to spend some time to think about. And there's a couple reasons why that's true. One is because it is a common experience that all of us are having this year. But just because it's a common experience doesn't necessarily mean it's something we need to talk about in church. The bigger reason why I felt like this was something we absolutely had to talk about, study about, and listen to God speak to us about was, well, because of this word, hope. Because I am absolutely convinced that in God's word, in scripture, God gives us some amazing tools and some amazing truths that can help us, that can lead us, that can direct us, that we don't have to be in this negative headspace that so many of us find ourselves in. And so in this series, we've taken an aggressive posture. We're not going to just sit back and allow our thoughts to take us to places where we don't wanna go. Like, what places don't we want to go? Despair, anxiety, anger, fear. That in this series, we're being aggressive. We're declaring war on the negative and difficult and harmful thoughts that all of us have at times in our heads and in our hearts. And there's this section of scripture that has been our key section for this series and is the reason why I can speak so aggressively about this topic, because God did through Pastor Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The enemy that we're fighting is not one that we can see so often. There are these spiritual warfare, spiritual enemies that we fight against. And the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. It's not guns and bombs and swords and spears. There's a different weapon. On the contrary, they, the weapons we have, I just love this phrase. The weapons we have are not just my power or your power. The weapons we have have divine power. That God fights with us. We don't fight alone. I declare war, God fights with me. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's like a fortified encampment. 
Do you have any fortified encampments in your heart, in your mind? Anger can be that. Guilt can be a fortified encampment in your head or in your heart. Anxiety, depression, the feeling of not being able to add up. All of these are what Paul is talking about. Fortified encampments. Well, the power we have through God can demolish them. We demolish arguments and every pretension, every claim that sets itself up against the knowledge or the truth of God. Anything that's against the truth of God, we need to demolish those things with God's truth. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We need to be on the offensive We consider what are the things that we're thinking that are taking us places we don't want to go and we don't allow those to walk around freely in our minds and our hearts, but we take them captive and we correct them through the lens and the filter of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. There is so much hope, guys. There is so much hope for our thoughts and for our lives, but I also want to be realistic with you I would never tell you that after this four-week series, all of a sudden now, you're not going to struggle with thoughts anymore. This side of heaven, it's always going to be a struggle. This war we're declaring has to be not just this year, but every year and every day, to be honest. So what are our expectations for our lives and for this series? i put it this way, that... We won't achieve perfection with this, but we can discover a better direction. We won't achieve perfection, but we can discover a better direction. And so in week one, we kind of laid the foundation. So many of us are in a bad spot mentally because we have a victim mentality. And we need to get over that. And we need to recognize, yes, some bad things have happened to us. But God calls you a victor, not a victim. That through Jesus, we know how it ends. And the story is good because of him. Last week, uh, Pastor Matt did a great job of helping us to be proactive. That before, as he put it, we even leave the room in the morning before we leave our home in the morning, that we're getting our thoughts in the right place. He he talked about the Christian perspective in view of meditation and what that looks like. Not emptying our thoughts or our minds of everything, but instead filling our thoughts and our minds with the right things and with thanksgiving and with repentance. And through that, we are renewed. Today, we're going to continue the progression. We've now left the room. We're now out in the world. We're living our day. And guess what happens? Things happen. Good things, but so often, especially in this year, bad things. And here's the question I want to answer today with all of you. How do I mentally navigate difficult circumstances that happen to me in life? How do I mentally navigate difficult circumstances of life? And I want to point something out to you so that you recognize that it is possible to navigate difficult circumstances in good ways, and some people do it not in good ways. So, for instance, we can have two people 
that experience the exact same circumstances in life and react to it and think about it in entirely different ways. So think about this. You've got a person who gets called in to have a talk with their boss. And this boss has some constructive direction for them. One person receives the feedback and their response is, I can't believe it. He is so judgmental. And by the way, he's so picky. And, well, I wish I could give him a little bit of my feedback. All right? And then you have someone else who received the exact same feedback from the boss. And he or she responds to it in their mind and heart by thinking, well, these are some ways that I can grow. I'm thankful I have someone in my life working with me close enough to see some blind spots that I might have. I don't know that I agree with everything he said, but it's going to be an opportunity to grow. (laughs) Or how about two people that go out to eat on a Friday night? They have the exact same server. She's clearly new, and she's covering a lot of tables. Your food doesn't come on time, and instead of medium rare, it's medium well. For one person, it entirely ruins his or her night. And she or he is off schedule now, and frankly, they're rude to the server. The other person, exact same server, exact same schedule, but he or she looks at it as an opportunity. This server is clearly overwhelmed and clearly new. Instead of making her life more miserable tonight, I'm going to give some grace, give some compassion. Yeah, we might be late for the next thing, but this is a person, a child of God that I can bless tonight with this opportunity to share some grace. Or how about when you lose things? I'm not talking about keys. I'm talking about a job. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about a loved one. There are some big things that we go through. Have you known some people? Maybe you are this person who because that thing was taken away and the way they saw the future to look isn't the way it actually is, that they become very bitter for the rest of their life and very negative. And then maybe you've known some people, maybe you are this person who gone through the exact same loss and yet somehow they're positive and happy and optimistic and joy-filled. You see, there are more than one way that we can handle the circumstances of life. How do I mentally navigate those things? And before I get to sort of the direction for today, I do need to preface this entire message with this caveat. Not all hardships are created equal. And so I am not in any means trying to minimize what it is that you might be going through. You probably are going through something or went through something that is much more difficult than anything I've ever gone through. And we need to recognize that. I'm not trying to minimize that. And there can be a grieving process that is needed. And it can be very, very difficult to get into the correct mental headspace. 
But whether it's the loss of a loved one or just a bad server at a restaurant, here's what I also know. The same principles apply. The same direction is where we need to get our hearts at. And our our first fill-in for today is this, that you can't control what happens to you, but you can decide how to respond to it. You can't control what happens to you, but you can decide how to respond to it. You know, in some prep for this series, I did some looking at what do the secular medical and psychological experts have to say about thoughts and everything. And one of the things they talk about is this, the, the power of positivity. And there is power behind it, and we're going to talk about that from a biblical perspective a little bit later. But here's where I saw the secular world totally limp on this is that in order to find this power of positivity, sometimes here's what you need to do, they say. You just need to create a preferred future. Do you know what they're actually saying? You need to imagine things are better than they are. You need to pretend. Create a pretend land in your heart. Now, I'm I'm probably saying this different than they would, okay? But you have to create this pretend world in your heart and in your mind and then think about that And it will be helpful. It probably will, but it's not realistic. And believe me, when it comes to being positive with my thoughts, I don't want to pretend. Give it to me real. I want to be real. And as we think about God's direction for us, here's the cool thing. We can be and still find blessing. So there's three things that I want to share with you that will help us get to being able to find blessing. Here's the first thing. I'm being real, okay? You handle it. Life is difficult. That goes for a Christian. It goes for non-Christians. For all of us, life is difficult. We go through stuff. We go through years like this one. There are hardships and heartaches and disappointments and people we love that die seemingly in our minds and hearts too early and illnesses and aches and pains and difficult seasons at the job. And I think some of the problem is in our mental headspace is that we don't account for the fact that even the best life has this difficulty. That life is going to be difficult. It's good to be realistic. Like the way I'm not with the twins. I mean, if I just went into the playoffs knowing that they'll lose, then I won't be so disappointed (laughs) because I'm being realistic. It's good to be realistic about life. The truth is life is difficult, and Jesus himself said that. This is a verse that we turn to often, but it's really important because Jesus lays the foundation. He says to his disciples, in this world, you'll have trouble. Now, here's where a lot of people mess up because you knew, number one, you knew that life was difficult. You've experienced. This is what trips so many people up when it comes to their mental headspace and when it comes to God. Number two, Sin is the cause of that. Sin is the cause. 
So often we get tripped up because we consider God as being almighty and all-powerful, and he is. He's in charge of all things, and he is. And yet life is difficult not because God is not good, but because sin is in the world and sin is in us. It is so helpful for me to be realistic with difficult things to remind myself that God did not want it this way. He did not create COVID. He didn't want it. He created a perfect world where there wasn't death and there wasn't illness. There was perfection. But we brought, humanity brought sin in the world. And now his perfect creation has been messed up. Life is difficult. Sin is the cause. And number three, God still works for good. God works for good. Here's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. He writes, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Just think about that for a moment. We've messed up God's perfect creation. And yet God promises that he is going to use every difficulty, every hardship, every heartache for good, for your good, for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, let's be clear about this. It doesn't mean always for your earthly good. It doesn't mean that you're going to be happier later with the circumstances of your life because you're going through difficult circumstances now. This is not a promise for your earthly good. It's a promise for your spiritual good or to say it a different way, he always works for the good of your faith relationship with him. Because here's what he wants. He wants you more than ever to be in heaven with him someday. He wants to be in relationship with you. And here's how I know that's what he wants more than ever. Because that's what he sent Jesus for. Not so the disciples would have some powerful little fiefdom in Israel and get rich. Not that you get rich and have a a happy life, although he likes it when we're happy. He sent Jesus to suffer hell so that you and I wouldn't have to. That's what he values the most. Not that you're happy for 80 years, but that you're with him for eternity. And so what this means, this string of three things, that life is difficult, sin is the cause, but God works for good, what that means is this. Number two, there are always blessings to be found in every day and every circumstance and every situation. And this is not just pretend land, create my preferred future. It's not imaginary world. We talked about the reality. There are blessings to be found every day and in every situation because God works even the worst things out for good, for your eternal good. So what does that look like? I don't know what it means for you. But maybe he's working in you patience. Homeschooling can do that. 
Maybe he's working in you a strength that you would have never had without this because now, like Paul writes, you're relying on his strength instead of your own. Maybe he's working in you perspective that you're not as in control as what you thought and that's a good thing to recognize. Maybe through your hardship, He's creating an opportunity for you later in life to be able to talk to a person going through the exact same thing. And because you went through it, you're able to better empathize and point and direct that person to God's truth and to God's love. I love how C.S. Lewis wrote about difficulties and challenges. He, he wrote this in his book called The Problem of Pain. He says that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There are blessings to be found in every circumstance, in every day, and in every year. Now, I want to share with you why this is hard to find those blessings and to be positive and to not skew towards the negative. As neuroscientists and psychologists have studied the brain, what they've found is that our brains, they tend to skew negative naturally. They call this the, the negativity bias. It's why someone can, you could receive five compliments and one negative thing, but you just continue to dwell on the negative. This happens a lot with in-laws. They can do a lot of good things, but there's that one thing that you just can't get out of your brain and your heart. Here's what a scientist, a neuroscientist named Rick Hansen said. Your brain is like Velcro, for negative experiences, and Teflon for positive ones. Now, Rick Hansen has his own reasons as to why this is true, and he talks about chemical makeup and all that stuff. Remember, God created you, okay? What, what I see is that this is very obviously a result of that sinful nature, that battle within us that goes on inside that wants to take us away from God's peace and God's joy, but instead wants to continue to battle against our thoughts and our minds. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing about how we're wired. There's something called neural pathways. And what this means is, like take an example, if you're walking through a, a very weedy, high grass type of area, and when you walk through for the very first time, it's going to be hard. And so you walk through, but as you walk, your feet are creating a path, right? So when then you have to walk that path again, what do you most likely do? Walk in the path that's already been made, and over time, that path becomes more easy to navigate. Do you know that your thoughts do that? And so that's why a person who's negative often stays negative because there's this thing going on in our brains called neural pathways and it's not irreversible. It just takes intention. It takes intention to walk a different path, a different way. And that's what Paul talks about. 
in a letter that he wrote to the Philippians. Philippians is a great book for quarantine or for any, any, uh, any day. It talks about joy even in the midst of hardship. Funny thing is, ironic thing, is that as Paul wrote this, he was in prison waiting his execution most likely. And yet he writes about how to find joy. And he talks about being intentional with thoughts. Listen to this in Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true according to God's truth, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, and I need to tell you this because you won't do it on your own. You won't do it naturally. I need to be very clear with you because you might need to create a new pathway to walk. I want you to think about those things. This doesn't come naturally. That's why I need to tell you that. That we need to be intentional with our thoughts. And Matt got into this a little bit last week, but we're just continuing the progression today. Next slide. Make it a habit to think on the things of God. Remember, sin, life is difficult. Sin is the cause, but God works good even in the midst of that. There are blessings to be found in every situation. Now, with all of that as the backdrop, we're going to close with the application. I want you to think about your day. I want you to think about your week. Is it a good day? Or is it a bad one? Is it a good week? Or is it a bad one? Oftentimes, it doesn't have to do with your circumstances. It has more to do with how you frame it. Let me show you what I mean. I have a frame back here and a picture on the screen. I I want you to consider this picture as being the circumstances of your day. How's your day going? What matters where you frame it. What are you looking at? Where are you looking? You see, if I focus over here, oh man, it's thunderclouds, it's dark, it's difficult. The boss is a jerk. The server is late, and I'm going to be late. And I've gotten a raw deal in life, and I'm going to be bitter for the rest of it. How's your day going? It depends how you frame it. See, in that very same day, if you frame it over here, God is with me. He's in control. He loves me. He's going to even work the storm clouds out for good, even though maybe I don't know what that is yet. The boss just cares about me. The server, well, she's new. She needs a little bit of grace. And that loss, ah, it's hard. But God's going to get me through. It's the same day. It's the same picture. Just 
Depends how you frame it, what you think about where you're being intentional with your thoughts. And that leads us to number three, be intentional with how you frame your day. Be intentional, intentional with how you frame your day. Here's the truth. Here's the brutal truth. You know people who have far more than you and you would never want to be them because they're so negative and unhappy. And on the flip side, there are people that you know that from a worldly perspective have far less. And it's somehow they're always smiling and they seem to be positive because it just depends where your perspective is and what you're looking at and how you frame it. And yes, there's going to be seasons that even with the best of intentions, there needs to be grieving that happens. I get that. But on most days, on most days, it just depends where you frame things. The prophet Habakkuk is someone who got that. I want, you to re- I want to read for you one of my favorite verses from Habakkuk. Here's what the prophet said. This is uh, a few hundred years before Jesus was born. Though the fig tree doesn't bud, and it wasn't because there was a famine, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and there weren't, and there are no cattle in the stalls, and there wasn't, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord because I've created some imaginary future and day on the beach that I'm looking forward to. No, (laughs) I will rejoice. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Habakkuk got it. That's what we're talking about. That's how ultimately we find joy and blessing in every day by recognizing the big picture. You see, Habakkuk's day had a whole bunch of stuff going on in it. Next slide. And it just depended on where he framed it. Was he going to frame it here where the cattle pens are, are empty and the crops aren't growing? Or I will rejoice in God my Savior. So number four. Be careful. Because you're going to find what you're looking for. When you go out in your day and you start with that meditation before you leave the room, when you get your thoughts straight, be careful because life is difficult. It is every day. And you're going to find what it is your heart and your mind is looking for. If we want to look for difficult things and negative things, you're going to find it. If you want to find blessing, you're going to find that as well. God is with you. He loves you, and he brings blessing to your every day. It just depends how you frame it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Whatever challenges or blessings there might be in it, we just thank you for a day to live for you. Lord, I pray that you just help everyone in this room to focus our hearts and our minds on blessing. Not to ignore the difficulty. We can't do that. 
but to frame it differently and to ask for your guidance and to seeing maybe how you're working that out for good. Lord, we're thankful that you never leave us nor forsake us. And even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of life, you promise to give us the strength to get through it. Pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.